Saints in the Lord, would you take out your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. While you are turning to Luke chapter 1, and uh, we'll be starting in verse number 34, I'm going to turn to Philippians The Pew Bible, it's page number 1017. Every year at this season, Christmas, we find our souls strengthened in faith, our minds inspired and thrilled by hope, and our hearts are strangely warmed by the light, the life, and the love of Jesus. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And we come to adore him. And rightly so. For the last couple weeks, the Spirit has been impressing me that we cannot stop there. We must go further than adoring Jesus. God calls us this morning to become more like the one we adore, more like Jesus. In love, he sent his Son not just to save us, but to conform us to his image, to the image of Jesus Christ. And becoming more like Jesus we will find ourselves more fit and useful for service in the kingdom of God. To help us this morning, without taking our eyes off of Jesus, we will look at an episode that took place in the early life of Jesus Christ's young mother, Mary. I am going to read a passage that will help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus throughout this message. It's found in Philippians Chapter 2. It's called the Christ Hymn. Starting in verse number 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, he emptied himself. Taking the very nature or form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." So far, the reading from God's holy word, we turn now to the Gospels, the Gospel according to Luke. We'll start in verse number 34, which overlaps a bit with what uh, Jonathan uh, Allen brought us last week. Starting in verse number 34 of chapter 1. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel, this is Gabriel's, answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, 
I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, saints, in the Lord. Father in heaven, you have a message for us, a word for us that we need to hear this morning. We are here adoring your son, honoring you and worshiping you in his name, but we also want to become like him. Lord, uh, pray that you would use your messenger That as I come before this congregation right now to serve it, longing to be humble like Jesus, to be used of you, to please you, pray that you would do just that, that you would use me this morning to bring something, a message that will strengthen us. And when we leave here, we will be moved a little bit more into the image of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. The title of this message is The Glorious Humility of the Son of God. God's plan for the salvation of Israel, for the salvation of all mankind, for the salvation of all creation, from our perspective, as we read this narrative, now hangs by the smallest thread conceivable. And it is being played out on the most painfully humble stage imaginable. And the cosmos holds its breath. Salvation rests in the life of a little, seemingly helpless being. An infant nestled inside the womb of a poor, unmarried, teenage girl betrothed to a carpenter. She is an Israelite. She comes from a humbled, severely oppressed people, dominated by Rome. 
The girl is from a region in northern Israel called Galilee, of which it is said, Look into it. No prophet comes out of Galilee. She comes from a town in that region called Nazareth, of which it was said, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? She comes from an ancient area, a tribal area called Zebulun, of whom Isaiah said, Zebulun and Naphtali, the land of darkness. Soon, this humble girl, born of humble origins, will travel with her husband, who has become her husband now. They will travel day and night, four days, probably in the cold, with growing birth pangs toward the little town of Bethlehem. And when they arrive, they will find no room in that crowded town. And they probably had very little money to influence anyone to give up their room for this poor, humble, child-bearing woman. To a stable they must now go. And the scene, rightly so, is now veiled from our eyes. Was there no one to help her? Deliver the baby? The exhausted mother herself is probably the one who tenderly wraps him in swaddling clothes. And she watches his little chest rise and fall with shallow breaths as she and her husband carefully lay him in a manger, a feeding trough, a place where cows feed. Soon, they will be greeted by the lowly shepherds. And all too soon, the baby will be hunted by the mighty King Herod, who in jealousy will be seeking to kill this infant child. The helpless baby boy's name is Jesus. His name means save. He is the Son of God. He carries another name. Emmanuel, God with us. The mother's name is Mary. The angel Gabriel calls her favored one. Brothers and sisters, this is the most poignant, painfully wonderful scene to have ever graced the cosmos. Nothing compares except what takes place 33 years later with the same mother and son. What can we learn from all of this? How can what we have read and what we are about ready to hear this morning help us to not only adore Jesus, but to become more like him, more pleasing to God, more fit and useful for service in the kingdom of God? What can we learn from Mary? What made her favorite of God? Why did he grace her? Because it is of grace. Why did he choose her? This morning I present to you three indispensable characteristics of a life that in the sight of God is useful and pleasing to him. The three characteristics are these. Humility and faith and faithfulness. And finally, the third, glory. Living for the glory of God. First of all, Humility. Mary lived a life of humility. 
I have just described to you humble circumstances. But Mary is humble, not merely because of these circumstances. Mary is humble of heart. Look with me in verse number 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Look with me now in verse number 51. This is Mary speaking. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Mary is humble. Humility. Humbleness. It's a way of life. It's part of how she's made. It's part of her makeup. It's part of the attitude of her heart. But what does this attitude of humility actually look like? How do you practice it? I give you an excellent answer. It's excellent because it's biblical. Not in selfish ambition or in vain conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that though he by nature was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he took the form of a servant. How do you practice humility so that it's not just self deception? You serve. Serve. Well, serve who? If you're a Christian, you serve the Lord. And you serve others. Mary is a servant. Verse number 38. Look there with me. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. You see? She's a servant of the Lord, of God. Look at verse number 48 again. For he has looked on the humble estate of what? His servant. Look at number 54. She's being used of God as he's helping his servant Israel. Look at that. All of Israel collectively is called a servant. God's pleased with that. And he's pleased to help them. And he's helping them through his servant Mary. Beacon Light, God calls us this morning to serve others to serve one another, to serve the people of God, to serve the church, others. We have a resident poet in our midst. He's written me several poems that I've added to my messages, and he didn't send me a poem this time that came from his own fingertips and mind. He sent me someone else's poem that was written a long time ago, but I receive it. It's called Others. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my pray shall be for others. Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain. May efforts be to rise again except to live for others. So when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven's begun, I'll praise you for the crown I've won, but praise you more for others. Yes, others, Lord. Yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others, 
that I may live like thee, becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more like Jesus. How do you spell humility? H-U-M-I-L-I-T-Y. I gave you the alternative spelling, J-O-Y. Jesus, others, you. It spells humility. It also spells joy. Want to be happy in Jesus? Serve the Lord. Serve others. And you'll find yourself most amazingly blessed. Many years I've been in ministry here in the neighborhood. I've seen many remarkable acts of service. People giving of their time, their talents, their service. Incredible displays. Just this building alone that we're in, if you ever went to the old firehouse, what's been done over there. It's just people, God's people, who want to serve the Lord and they want to serve others. People of God. But today we're in a really humble setting. Really humble. Mary is poor, and so is Jesus, and they're heading for a stable, a feeding trough where cows eat. I bring you a little story, a humble little story. A week and a half ago, at a prayer meeting that I was attending, there was a lady there who was poor, very poor. She doesn't see herself that way. Fifteen people gathered around, table praying when it came to this dear young lady. Her prayer went like this. Dear God, I don't want to pray for myself. I have everything I need. I don't need anything. I am full. I just want to help others. Please help me to help others. Because that's what makes me happy. That's joy. <laughs> that's Jesus other than you. Prayer meeting ended 45 minutes later. I got up to help doing what I do a lot of times with others who clean up after the prayer meeting. And the same one that prayed said, Pastor, you go home. You go home. You got a lot to do. I'll clean up for you. Well, dear lady, you didn't know it at the time, but you helped me to want to be a better servant. Mary was humble. She was a servant. Jesus emptied himself, and he took on the form of a servant. He came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We, too, have been called to do the same, to serve Second, Mary lived a, a life of faith, of faithfulness. First of all, faith. She believed God. She believed God. That, okay, that seems pretty simple. But she believed that God could do the impossible. Would you read with me verse number 45? Look there with me. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What was that? But you're going to carry the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and no man is going to touch you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, is what the angel said. And you will conceive. 
Mary believed that God could do the impossible. She believed the angel Gabriel when he said, for nothing will be impossible with God. Verse number 37. Oh, how pleasing to God when we believe him. The ancients were commended for their faith. Abraham, the father of all who believed, believed him, God. When he said, you will bear a child in old age, 100 years old, man. Abraham's faith pleased God. Without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you believe that God has raised the dead? Do you hear saints in the Lord believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, that's impossible. Do you believe that he can raise you if you are still lost in your sins here and have not yet trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Do you believe that he can raise you from the dead who are dead in your sins? I've heard prayer after prayer. We had one again this morning, praying for lost loved ones, family members. Do you believe that when you pray to God for lost people, and you can bring a lot of them to your mind right now, right now, a lot of names, do you believe that God can save them? Do you believe that God can not only forgive their sins, but change them? So they become a new creature, a new creation? It's impossible. Not with God, though. Do you believe the city of Gary, Indiana, can ever become a healthy, thriving, glowing, beautiful city that the, the region is proud of? You don't know how many people I know that say that it's impossible. It's too far gone. All things are possible with God. Brothers and sisters, do you believe that God can use a simple person like you to accomplish great or small things? Because in the sight of the Lord, great and small is almost the same thing. Things for his kingdom, things beyond the, your natural ability. How about for the church, for God's people? If he calls you to be an elder, a deacon, a musician, a poet, a writer, a missionary, an evangelist, to go to Longfellow, what if he calls you to be a prayer warrior? To pray believingly on behalf of all the people in this church. It could be scary. Scary when you contemplate things that seem beyond your ability or beyond the time that you think you can offer to it. The talents. You're so pressed with so many other things. How? How? How can you do it? It's scary. I'll tell you how. You walk by faith not by sight. Lace up your shoes and take the first step of the wonderful and adventurous journey of faith in God. Mary believed God could do the glorious impossible and God is pleased to use such people and to entrust them with great things and with small things. Second, in this faith category, Mary was faithful. What are the characteristics of faithfulness? It's not enough to have faith. You must be faithful. The characteristics of faithfulness. Mary was obedient. Mary's faith was an obedient faith. That's what it said in verse 38. 
I'll read it for you. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. The translation of that is this. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Mary had a fear of the Lord. Verse number 50. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Do you realize that this message applies to you? This is from generation to... Nothing's changed. This stuff we're talking about, humility and being a servant and having faith and being faithful, nothing's changed. He's still the same God. He works in the same way that he did then. She fears the Lord. This is a fear born of love. From the time she was in a cradle herself, she'd been hearing those words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the Shema. All Israelites recite that day after day, every day of their life. She's obedient to that. And she's filled with an awe of God, a respect and awe of God. Holiness is another characteristic. Look at verse number 49 with me. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary was told that the baby to be born in her would be holy. He would be called holy. God is entrusting her to live a holy life and to raise the Holy Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Holy One of Israel. She has to raise this Savior, this Son of God who is holy. She herself must be holy. This doesn't mean that she's sinless. She needs a Savior just like we do. But she's holy. And God can entrust her to carry his holy son. We in the Protestant tradition have swung the pendulum far too away from the veneration and the worship and the trust of Mary, praying to Mary, looking to her as an intercessor. We have swung it way too far from there. We have diminished the magnitude of what Mary has done. Let me ask you something here this morning. Could God entrust you? Could he entrust me? To live a holy life and to raise the holy son of God, the holy one of Israel. Could he? Would you think about your lifestyle right now? I think of my lifestyle. Ladies, could you do it? The Son of God, the Creator, the Savior of the world, the Holy One, could you do it? Think of your lifestyle. 
It's scary, isn't it? But moms and dads, aren't you called to live a holy life? Aren't you called to raise your children in the way of holiness? And brothers and sisters in Christ, as a church body, Beacon Light, as a family, aren't we called to live a holy life as a church and to raise the children, those children that you were seeing who were semi-chaotic this morning, pitter-pattering around this church, chitter-chattering, chirping here, chirping there, distracted, beautiful little children. Can you raise them in the way of holiness? Mary is a faithful woman. She will prove to be faithful under duress. She will prove to be faithful under trial. Mary will face shame. Probably when she returns from visiting her cousin Elizabeth, she probably rushed out to go and see her because they had to talk about what ladies would talk about. That wasn't a man conversation. But when she returned, probably three months later, by then she's showing. I mean, how difficult would it be to see your betrothed husband's face crestfallen? And you got to tell him this was of God. How difficult that was for Joseph. He needed help. That's why the angel visited him in a dream. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She's going to face shame, probably even from neighbors. She's got her own questions, and then she's going to have aching. At the age of 12, her son, Jesus, turns up missing for three days. He ends up in this temple. They find him in the temple. And Jesus says to her, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Can you sense the ache of a mother when you see that your child, as wonderful as he is, but he really belongs to another? She will face a sword that will pierce her own soul too, the cross. But brothers and sisters, she won't turn away. She won't turn away from the path. She will be faithful. She will prove to be faithful. She has been faithful in her young life. The word of God says those who have been faithful in little can be entrusted with much. She will be faithful in much. And so it pleases God to entrust her with true riches. He entrusts her with the jewel of heaven, Jesus Christ. Mary was faithful. Finally, Glory. Mary lived to glorify God, which brings us back to the beginning, the Magnificat. My soul magnifies. Another translation is, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is the cry This is the praise that flows from her heart. This comes from her soul. This is what moves her above all things, is that God, her Lord, her Savior, would be glorified. It's not enough to humbly serve. It's not enough to be steadfast in your service. 
It's not enough to believe. It's not enough to be obedient. The motivation of our hearts, brothers and sisters, must be ultimately to glorify the Lord, to always glorify the Lord. Abraham, he did not waver in unbelief concerning the promises of God, but he grew strong in his faith, giving glory to God. The psalmist writes, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name be the glory. The apostle Paul writes, from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever. To you, it has been called to live as lights in the world, to let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and they do what? They glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus said when you pray to him, you pray in his name. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When people praise you, when they speak well of you, when they exalt you, it's a good thing. But make sure that in your own heart, And whenever you can express it with your lips, thanks be to God. Thank you for saying that. But thanks be to God. To him be the glory. Mary is being lauded. She is blessed by her relative Elizabeth. Mary is God's humble servant, and God has exalted her. That's what it says in 52. And she responds, my soul glorifies, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This morning, my dear family, we have seen in Mary an example of someone with whom God is pleased, someone who would find favor with him, with God, for his kingdom purposes. She will raise the Savior of the world. Humility, faithfulness, and living for the glory of God. I now close this sermon by rightly drawing our undivided attention to the one who perfectly displayed these three characteristics and who set the supreme example of what a life pleasing to God looks like. I, of course, am talking about Jesus Christ. He is the Holy One of Israel. He was faithful He was faithful over all of God's house. Jesus was obedient. He learned obedience through suffering, Hebrews 5.8. Jesus was a suffering servant. He was a servant, one who suffered on behalf of us all. Jesus was humble. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, to the point of death on a cross. He tasted death for us all. No one has ever taken such a low position. No one has ever loved like he loved. So it bears repeating. Let me say it again in another way. The eternal well-being of the entire created order hangs on this. It hangs on this. The holy baby Jesus grew up to be a man. A man who would one day set his face resolutely toward Jerusalem, 
to a cross that had been appointed for him. And Jesus was faithful. He did not turn away. He did not turn his face away from the path that God his Father had set for him. God loved us and sent his Son. Our Lord Jesus Christ loved us and went to the cross. In love, he did his Father's will. And the Father said this about his Son. This is my beloved Son. With him I am well pleased. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that, brothers and sisters, is why this message has been titled The Glorious Humility of the Son of God. And that is why, once again, we have come to adore him, Jesus Christ, this Christmas season. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.